Y'all may be seated. The most wanted words in Pentecost. Let me give you just a brief background of me. I was here a few years ago and spoke to your elders at your home. My testimony is very unique. You see, sometimes God gives us a calling at a young age. At the age of three, I would go through the house with a tambourine in my hand singing, I'm going to be a missionary to Africa. The age of three. But it was a long and winding road to get here. And through that process of time, the Lord blessed me, and I was blessed and had a family, had a perfect family, a boy and a girl, had a great career, a wonderful husband. But I'm here to tell you that you get tired. And the Lord lowered the hedge on me to wake me up. And when he lowered the hedge, I had no idea how bad things could get. I literally have lost everything. I lost my health first. Then my husband decided to kill himself. And then my children disowned me. And I, of course, didn't have a career anymore. Pancreatic cancer almost took me out. But God, but God had another way. God had something he wanted done. And God knew that when he lowered that hedge and woke me up, and he allowed the devil to touch me, that it would make me mad. And that my anger would propel me to do the work of God. So today, I travel the world. And as I travel the world and I minister, I'm here to wake up the sleeping giants on the pews. I'm here to wake you up and tell you it's time to get uncomfortable. It's time to do something for God. It's time to move in the flow of the anointing. I am a preacher of the word, so I've really given you a high-level notes of my testimony. And last night... I was on the phone with both my children, and I'm going to FaceTime them when church is over. And also, through this process of time, for a decade, I didn't know where my daughter was. I only heard from her pastor when she wanted to cuss me out. But you see, we serve a God who knew a mother's heart and who knew a mother's prayer. So now, not only do I know where she is, she talks to me almost daily because that's the God we serve. No, my kids aren't back in church, but they're on a journey. And as I say, everywhere I preach, someday, Pastor, you're going to invite me back. And I'm going to say, hey, I want to bring my family. And I'm going to say, my son's going to stand on one side and my daughter on the other with their families. And they're going to be worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Because, you see, it's when we have a little strength that God opens doors we can't open. He changes and rearranges things. We cannot change because He is God. It's time for us to understand that open doors of miracles are before us. They are before us. I'm going to go to Mark chapter 16 right now, verse 1. And when the Sabbath was passed... Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, had bought, brought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning. There's something about talking to God very early in the morning that we've forgotten about. It's when there's no other distractions. You talk to him first, there's a clear line of communication back and forth. Very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they come into the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. And they said among themselves, who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? See, they thought the stone needed rolled away. They thought those 60 partners in missions that you need, they need to come. But they're already here. You see, it's time for us to see like God sees. 
And it says in the very next verse, see, they were looking down probably like we do when bad things happen, when we don't know how we're going to make things happen or how we're going to manage things. But you see, God already has laid it on somebody's heart to provide whatever it is that you have need of. But we can't see it because we don't read our Bibles enough to know. So the book says in verse 4, And when they looked, when they looked, they saw that it was rolled away, for it was very great. Your problem is no big deal to God. My cancer was no big deal to God. When we sat and planned my funeral, it was no big deal to God. When they sent me home on hospice, it was no big deal to my God because the stone had already been rolled away. I didn't even realize I was getting well. Family driving hours in to say goodbye. But God, I'm here to tell you, but God, I don't care what diagnosis you've been given. I don't care what problem you have. I'm here to tell you I know a God. His name is Jesus. You know what they taught me in Botswana? Give me a J. Give me an E. Give me an S. Give me a U. Give me an S. Jesus. That's all you need is Jesus. So let me go on. Verse 5, entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. Now, isn't that like us? God sends us an angel. He sends you 60 partners in missions. And you sit there scared to death. You're afraid to move. Can't be real. Can't be God. But it is God. They walk in and Jesus is gone. But there's an angel with a message. And he says unto them, don't be afraid, basically. Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where he lay, they laid him. But go. It's time for the church to go. Go your way. Tell his disciples. And Peter, that he goes before you into Galilee. There shall you see him as he said unto you. And listen to this. They weren't like us, Pastor Kyle. God tells us to go and we say, but, 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 I need money, but, 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 I don't have a visa, but, 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 somebody will crucify me, but, 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 I'm a woman and the men will get mad, but, 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 that's what we do, but listen to what they did, and they went out quickly, it's time for the church to go out quickly, it's time for us to move like we've never moved, no, everybody won't cross oceans. It's not for everybody to cross oceans. But you can cross the street and knock on your neighbor's door and teach a Bible study. You can sit in the doctor's office and lean over and say, Hey, how you doing today? And when you see the look of despair, you can say, I got an answer for you. I don't need to know what's wrong. But let me just pray for you. And in the name of Jesus, be thou healed. And they'll be healed. Because they'll think somebody that crazy has got to have something I need. And their faith will be lifted and it'll meet God. And when it meets God, the miracle will take place right there in a doctor's office. It's time for the church of the living God of the name of Jesus to rise to the occasion that has been presented to us in this day and this age. 
praise God. And then we go on. Go your way. They got to go tell the disciples. The disciples were scared to death. They were hiding. The men of God were hiding. Sometimes we need some grandmas that have been on their knees to step out by faith and say, I'm going to go tell them. I'm going to make up my mind. I'm going to start Bible studies. I'm going to start a prayer meeting in my home that's a prayer meeting and not a gossip session. And we're going to see lives changed in our community. They'll come from Walmart and baptize people in my pool. See, I have a friend in Texas that did that in Houston. Had a prayer meeting in her house for over eight years. They literally would bring people on their breaks from Walmart and baptize them in the name of Jesus in her pool. And they would be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Want to tell me now why you can't? You got the same Holy Ghost I got? Nothing different between us. You need to be doing the same things. It's time for the church to be the church and to multiply like they've never multiplied. So they went out quickly and they fled from the sepulcher for they trembled and were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man for they were afraid. They were afraid, but they still went. It's just like when I step on planes sometimes and I don't know where the money's coming from. Just like at the end of a trip, I really don't know where the money's coming from, so I try to fix it myself. And then God has me to check my PayPal, and he already fixed it. But because my faith was not where it needed to be, I called somebody and they said, yeah, Susie, we'll send you the money. Not a problem. But because my faith wasn't where it needed to be, I didn't check PayPal first. I didn't check where God could have had money sent. You see, that's what we need to start doing. We need to start putting on our glasses. And look through the spiritual lenses. And when you look through spiritual lenses, your situation doesn't look so bad. It's just not that bad anymore. So then verse 9, now when Jesus was risen, early, again early, there's something about early we're missing. Now when Jesus was risen early, the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, and out of whom he had cast seven devils. And she went and told them that had been with him as they mourned and wept. And they, when they had heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, believed not. You see, that's us today. We don't believe. We don't believe that God can do it. We don't believe that he can still do miracles. But you see, I'm standing here. It's been 11 years since I was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. One in four people survived six months. One in four. The surgery I had, one in four lived through. But let me tell you, my God... His name is Jesus. And what he did for me, he wants to do for you. He wants to heal you. He wants to move you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to bless you. But you have to be able to see spiritually and quit looking at it through your fleshy eyes. Let me go on. After that, he appeared in another form unto two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it unto the residue. Guess what? Neither believed they them nobody believed it nobody believed that he had risen they're being told how many times is God going to have to tell you that he's going to meet your needs how many times is God going to have to tell you your babies are coming back to Jesus how many times is God going to have to tell you that what you need, it's already done. You need a job, he's got a job for you. You need groceries, he's got groceries. Let me tell you my story about groceries. My daughter was three years old. My husband was sick. I was in college working part-time. We had no money. And when I say we had no money, I mean we didn't have two pennies to rub together. And that night I told my daughter, I said, baby, we're going to pray different tonight. I said, we're going to pray the promises of God. We're going to remind Jesus who he is. And I said... 
I said, you, you repeat after mommy. I said, Lord, first of all, I love you. I always worship first. First of all, God, I thank you. Even though I really wasn't in church, I knew how to thank him. And I said, God, we're in need. And in your word, it says that you'd never see your seed begging bread. So God, I don't have not even a can- milk in there to put, on, to put on cereal if I had cereal for my baby. But you're the king of kings. And in my Bible, it teaches me that you own the cattle on a thousand hillsides. And in my Bible, it teaches me that you own the gold under all those hillsides. So God, I need groceries. And then I thanked him. And we went to sleep. There were no speaking in tongues. There was no great epiphanies. Next morning, I get up, and I just felt impressed to open my front door. Guess what I found, Brother Kyle? I found a box of groceries. Not just any groceries. It was everything we liked. It was the brand names, baby. When God does a miracle, He doesn't do generic. He does name brand. It's time for the church of the living God to stand up straight and roll your shoulders back. And say, my God is a God that will give me everything that I need. And when he does it, he does it right. He doesn't expect me to have to look like a pauper. He doesn't expect me to have to eat beans and rice every day. No, he'll serve me filet mignon. He'll serve me a steak. He'll serve me the best. But you see, for too long, we have looked at things like God can't do it. There's no way. Susie, you're dying. Doctor had you sign a paper stating that your family wouldn't sue when you died. Not if you died, but when you died. Yeah, your funeral's planned. The pallbearers are picked out. You had to set your kids down and say, hey, what would y'all like done at my funeral? My son was 14. My daughter was starting college the same day they were going to operate on me. I'd give my kids a wide berth for being backslid. Because, you see, the church didn't step up. And I'm not bitter about it. I'm really not. But I'm here to wake you up and say, when you hear of somebody with a deadly illness, you need to be on your way to that hospital. You need to be headed to that family. You need to support them. Because by not being there, it's not the one that's sick that you're preaching a message to. It's their children you're preaching a message to. And that's why we have so many backslidden young people today. Because the churches preach messages that should have never, ever been preached. Should have never, ever been preached. But as my children has watched God change me and as I've started to follow the call of God, my backslidden daughter who says she's an atheist, you know what she told me on one of the rare occasions she spoke to me before we had a relationship? She was looking at pictures of me from overseas and she said, Mom, you found your passion. Whatever you do, don't stop. And when she came back to me, let me tell you the miracle God did. We cannot think as high as He thinks. We cannot You see, when she called me and she came back, it was because she was in the middle of a crisis. doesn't matter why they come back. But if we would start praying, God, you do whatever it takes to save our babies, God will do whatever it takes to save our babies. So she came back. And I mentioned to her I was headed to Africa, taking a group to Africa. And she said, man, I'd love to go. I got the time now, but I'm laid off. I don't have the money. And I said, you know what? I've never asked for money before. I said, let me make a few phone calls. Will you take my call when I call back? An hour later, six phone calls. Brother Macy almost had a wreck when he heard who I'd just talked to. He had to pull off the road to talk to me. An hour later, I call her back and I say, baby, pack your suitcases. I got your plane ticket covered. So she went to Africa with me. No, she wasn't in church. 
but she needed to see that her mama wasn't about a show, but that her mama was about being on her knees and on her face before God, that her mama was about seeing souls saved for the glory of God. She needed to see the church in a different light. Because you see, when I talked to her and I told her where she needed to go to church after that, I said, baby, when you decide to get right with God, because God said, talk to her like she's already saved. And I thought, God, that, that could get us in a lot of trouble, especially if I'm mad about something. And so I have been. And so I said, baby, when you get ready to get saved, because she's stay, been staying at, at my house, I said, when you get ready to get saved, let me tell you, you need to drive three hours north. And she said, why? I said, well, the other churches, when they give an altar call, uh, they don't give you enough time to get to the altar. You know what she said to me? She said, Mommy, what happened to the church while I was gone? I'm here to ask you today what's happened to your walk with God while your children have been gone. You say you want them saved. You say you want to see revival. But where is your personal walk with God? Where is it at? God may have set before us an open door and we may have a little strength, but does that little strength take us to our knees first thing in the morning? Does that little strength take us into the Word of God to find out what He has to say to us? Let me go on with this. That was not in the notes. So verse 15 of that chapter, it says, And He said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Do we believe? Do we believe? If you're filled with the Holy Ghost, that's great and that's wonderful, but do you believe? I want to take it deeper. We've got to take it deeper. It's time. And it says, And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. Verse 20. I wish we could say this about the church today, Brother Kyle. And they went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. It doesn't say the disciples went everywhere. It says, and they went forth. In other words, the church went forth. It's time for the church to be commissioned to go. It's time for the church to be commissioned to do. It's time for the church to move. You know what Brother Kilgore taught me? Before I had my minister's license, he said, Susie, if you pray somebody through to the Holy Ghost, don't call me. You just find some water and baptize them in Jesus' name. He commissioned us to go. The Lord did. Is that time we move in the name of Jesus where God wants us to go. How he wants us to go under the uh, obedience to our pastors. So much has happened to us. And we let our excuses keep us from obeying the will of God. You see, in Acts chapter 12, I'm a preacher of the word, I'm sorry. I try to tell the stories and do that stuff too. But, but the word speaks so eloquently for itself. It really does. Acts chapter 12 verse 11 says, And Peter was come to himself. He said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. Get this. An angel walks into prison. Walks him out. And he thinks he's dreaming. 
Isn't that like us? God opens a door, and we walk through it. And we're looking back like, am I dreaming? I remember the first time I was in Africa. I went with $50 in my pocket. Oh, my pastor was so mad at me. He didn't know. I didn't tell anybody. I figured if God was God, he'd provide, right? Simple. Isn't it time we believe the word? Isn't it time we believe that what he says he said he'll do, he will do? And so I was over there and I was talking to the missionary's wife on the phone one night. I was deep in the jungle. I spent my whole time deep. And they couldn't believe it. They were in shock. I was laying under a mosquito net, so she called me one night to check on me. And I said, am I really in Africa? I said, this, 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 there's something wrong with this picture. I should still be in a hospital somewhere. I should be in ICU hooked up to a breathing machine, hooked up to all these things that ding, and ding all night. And she said, Susie, look up. What do you see? I said, I see a mosquito net. She goes, pinch yourself. You're in Africa. See, we can't think his thoughts. We can't think as high as he thinks. I'm here to tell you this morning, it's time for you to challenge God. It's time for you to say, God, if you've really set before me an open door that no man can shut, and I have a little strength, then you're God enough to give me whatever it is I need, whether it's a visa, whether it's a car, whether it's a job, whether it's groceries. You're God enough to supply my needs. And the Lord will provide. I can stand here years after the fact now and say, my God, he has never left me in need. Oh, I've been in want, but I've never, ever been in need. Because I, he told me, Brother Kyle, that before I set my foot down, my needs would be met. Either he's God or he's not. Either he's going to do it or he's not. I'm here to tell you he does it. I'm here to tell you you haven't challenged him enough. You have a, it's time. It's time to believe. It's time to get past the doubt and believe. We have too many doubting Thomases. We need some people like Peter who will say, Is that you, God, calling me? Are you calling me out of this boat? All right, let me get my leg out. I'm going to step out. I went to Israel the first time. Brother Hudson was on the trip. And he said to me, he said, we got on the boat. He goes, Susie, do me a favor. I don't care what you see. You do not step out of this boat. You'll give every Pentecostal preacher on this trip a heart attack. And I looked at him and I said, if I see Jesus and he asked me to get out of the boat, ain't nobody stopping me. See, that's the way we got to believe. We got to believe that if God asks, we'll go. If He opens a door, we're going to do what He's asking us to do because He's the King of Kings and He's the Lord of Lords. One time I went to a country I can't name because it was a little bit dangerous. We didn't know if I'd come back with my head between my shoulders or not. And I remember I set my son down because he, my daughter wasn't talking to me yet, and I had this bright green backpack. And we, I, I told him he could buy anything he wanted at Outback. Of course, he bought the most expensive meal. And I set the backpack up on the table, and he goes, why'd you bring that in, Mother? I said, well, you need to look at this, because where I'm going, it's possible I won't come home alive. I said, so if this surfaces without me, you're to assume that Jesus called me home, and it's all good, and you need to find a church, and you need to get right with God. I'll never forget walking in that prayer meeting at that house I told you about. I walked in there, Brother Kyle. I'd sit out in the car and I was petrified. I was catching a plane that night. I was going to have to delete all social media off my phone in the Middle East so nobody would know where I went from that point on. And as I sat there, I thought, God, are you really, did you really tell me to go? You know, those were the questions I had. Did I really hear you? 
are you, are you sure you want me to do this? And I'm going alone. You know, I'm a woman on top of it, God. Have you looked at who I am? Anatomy. Have you looked at me? My anatomy. And I walked in there, and they were praying, and I sat down on the couch. I just kind of sat there and listened to them pray. And the Lord has a way of getting your attention. Well, there was tongues and interpretation. There was no doubt in anybody's mind who it was meant for. People had come over, and some had laid their hands on my feet and were praying for me. And as it came forth, it said, my daughter, my daughter, do you not think if I'm God enough to call you to go and to provide provision financially for you, I am God enough to provide provision for your protection? It's like he slapped me. But you see, I went and I came home, as you can see. I saw miracles. We had crusades where the secret police were coming in. But God protected me. I wasn't arrested. You see, that's God. But we don't trust Him. We don't trust Him to walk across the street. We don't trust Him to talk to the person we think is the worst person to bring them to church. What if when you walked up to them, you were able to lay your hands on them and pray for them and the Lord filled them with the Holy Ghost just like that? Why not? Acts 1.8 says we're all commissioned. Go ye into all the world. That's what the Bible says. Do we believe it? Do we believe the Word of God? I grew up in church, so I can challenge you. Those of you that have been sitting on pews, I was one of you. I was a whitewashed sepulcher full of devils inside. I didn't have a real walk with God. And then God lowered the hedge. Cancer woke me up. Now I have a walk with my king. And I'm here to shake everybody I can shake. I'm here to tell you, let's do this together. Let's move together. Let's walk together. Let's shout together. Let's see God do miracle signs and wonders on the streets of West Palm Beach. <coughs> I've gone to your homeless ministry. I'm not going to ask for a number of hands. How many of you have gone when they have those services on the streets? Or are you too good? Are you afraid they'll get some dirt on you? It's time for us to get behind every ministry in the church. It's time for us to be to hold this pastor's hands up. It's time for us to hold his wife's hands up. It's time for us to be the church. <laughs> Glory. It's time for us to move. If you only knew the joys that awaited you, if only, you only knew the happiness. See, I've made the big fat paycheck. I was a senior vice president before I got cancer. I know what it's like to ride in a limousine. I know what it's like to have plenty. And now I know what it's like to be abased, which is fine. God's been good to me. God's been so good to me. But you see, because I've known both sides of the coin, I can stand here and I can tell you who you are. I can stand here and I can say, what are you going to do differently? How are you going to move differently? I want my baby saved. But if I focus on God's work first, He's going to take care of them. But you see, you're too focused on them that you can't move in the name of Jesus because you let them and you let their problems keep you from doing the will of God. You know what happened after they disowned me? I have this big, nice house. 
It's a nice house. I'd like to stay in it. But the Lord hasn't allowed that. You know what I did? I couldn't afford homeowner's insurance after my husband died. So I locked it, and I packed my suitcases, and I sold everything in the house to buy that first plane ticket to Africa. That's when you're sold out. I'm not telling you that to make me look good. I'm telling you that to ask you, where is your sacrifice? They've asked you this morning to increase your donation to partners in missions. They've asked you to do some things this morning. But where is your sacrifice? You see, there was a point when I was in West Virginia evangelizing. I went to the church to pray. I got someone to let me in. And I went in the prayer room to pray at Brother Harper's. And as I was praying, God said, are you really sold out? It's been a few years now. Are you really sold out? And I thought, yeah, of course. And, but then I got to thinking, maybe I'm not. And God said, if you're really sold out, you go put your hands on that map and you let me take you anywhere in the world I want to take you. And so I prayed over that world map in that prayer room. And then God spoke to me and he said, that's good. Now, if you're truly sold out, you lay your body on that altar and you give it to me to use how I want to use it. Didn't mean I had to kill myself. Meant I had to die out to me. Meant I really had to die out to my dreams and my desires. And as I died out to my dreams and my desires, God gave me new dreams and new desires. And every so often, He peeks in my mind and He gives me one of my old dreams that I'd forgotten about. And as I'm sitting there, I'm going, how on earth did I get here? How on earth, God, did you do this? But I'm here to tell you that even if you just have a little strength and you're tired, and today I'm tired. I traveled for three days. I didn't have a shower for two weeks till last night. I had baby wipes, okay? I did have baths, just not a hot shower. I was so happy to get in that shower last night. But I'm here to tell you it won't matter because when you are in a foreign country and you know God sent you, there's nothing like it, is there, sister? Nothing like it. When somebody gets the Holy Ghost or their eyes light up to understanding the name of Jesus, there's no paycheck. There's no amount of money they can pay me that, that is worth it. There's nothing that's worth it. And if I have to sleep on airport floors, I'm okay because I'm sold out to my king. I believe him. I believe, I believe, I believe. I'm here to tell you it's time to believe. It's time to walk with God. It's time to be like the apostle. It's time to know where to go and how we're going. And get this, verse 12 of Acts 12 says, And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. Now, isn't that like us? We're gathered together praying for the miracle. Yeah, we're believing for the miracle. Oh, yeah. Wait till it shows up. As Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken named Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's voice, she didn't open the gate. She opened not the gate. That's what the Bible says. For gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. And they looked at her, you like, yeah, <laughs> you had too many something last night. <laughs> you're seeing, you're hearing things now. It's not Peter. He's in prison. There's no way he can get out. But they forgot about God. They forgot about that common denominator. And then verse 15, they said unto her, Thou art mad. But she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then said they, It is his angel. Get this. Sometimes our miracle has to keep knocking. But Peter continued knocking. And when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. 
But he beckoning unto them with the hand to hold their peace, declared unto them how the Lord brought him out of prison. And he said, go show these things unto James and to the brethren. And he departed and went into another place. It's time. It's time for us to believe that when our miracle starts knocking at the door, 2010, I went to General Conference in uh, Houston. And you know how I got myself there? I bribed myself because M.D. Anderson wanted to test me again for my cancer. That's a common fact that it comes back. So I went to be tested. And the doctors come in and they're crying. Well, of course, automatically you think, dear God, it's bad news. And so I'm sitting there and the doctor says, I, I don't know what to say. And I'm like, oh, God. I had a friend with me and my husband was on the phone because he couldn't come. And, and uh, I said, what is it? And she said, we've never had this happen before. You're still in remission. We don't know what to do with you. Five years later, I went back again. I was going every so often. Five years later, I went back and Sister Aurelia Hopkins went with me that time. They walked in and they said, we have... Good news and bad news. And I'm like, oh, God. I, I beat the odds, but now it's time for me to pay the piper. And uh, I said, well, give us the bad news first. You know, let's get the bad stuff out of the way. She said, well, we've never had a patient go this long and not have a recurrence of pancreatic cancer. And I looked at her and I said, really? She goes, yeah, we don't know what to do with you. That's the bad news. We, we don't know what what we should do so so we're going to release you and just you know get your blood work done every few months and, and you're free you're clean like you never had cancer that's our god that's what our god wants to do for every single person in this building he has miracles signs and wonders for you such as the like you can't even dream about just like when I woke up in Africa and my daughter was there, that day I'd had to battle a devil literally face to face. And so when I got back, I got deathly ill. So I'm in my room, my little room there at the place we were staying, and I threw up literally at the table in a bowl. So they knew I was really sick. So my daughter comes in, and she has a washcloth, and she has all this stuff, and I'm laying in that bed. See, I still have trouble with faith, even though they call me the faith preacher. And I'm laying in that bed, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm evidently about to die. I must be in ICU because there's no way my daughter is in Africa with me. There's no way she's even speaking to me. And as she put the cold cloth on my head and she put socks on my feet, I was having trouble believing that the miracle was there. And then God said, see, I told you, you can't think as high as I think. You can't believe the things that I have for you. And I'm here to tell you today, especially if you've grown up in the church, it's gotten old to you. I know it has because I've been you. I've sat there. Well, let me tell you something. Our God is still the same God he was on the day of Pentecost. He's still the same God that walks the streets. He's still the same God that heals and does miracles and wakes people up out of comas. Let me tell you what one old lady did after I preached a message like this in West Virginia. She got mad at me. She's related to Brother Harper. So she came to me. I came back to preach a few months later, and she said, Sister Susie, I need you to come eat lunch with me. I need to talk to you. And then she proceeded to tell me how mad I made her. She was in her 70s. She goes, you're trying to tell me I can do something for God, and I'm, I'm retired, and I don't, I don't have the body of a 20-year-old, and you're trying to tell me that everybody should do something for God? I said, well, yeah, everybody should. 
If you can't get out of your house, you can pick up the phone and call somebody and encourage them. You can have them come to your house and you can order pizza or something and have them come and you teach them a Bible study. You've got wisdom if you've got a lot of gray hair. And if it's left the building, you've got a lot of wisdom. But I'm here to tell you something what that lady did. She said, you made me so mad, I thought I'll show her. I'll show her. So she started going to every rehabilitation or nursing home in Huntington, West Virginia. Six days a week. Every day. She went, there were six or seven she went to. And who's going to tell Granny they can't pray for somebody? Granny'd walk in and she'd say, hey, I'm so-and-so, how are you? And then she'd pray for somebody. So she said, there's one I want to take you to. This one was on a ventilator. That's why I'm here to tell you, it doesn't have to be pastor. It doesn't have to be the evangelist. We just need believers that'll step out by faith. And when they step out by faith, God will do the miracle. And she said, I, I was in there and I'd go visit her and I'd pray for her. Her husband's a surgeon and she's been on this vent for three months now. There's no hope. They want to take her off, but he refuses. And so she said, I'd go pray for her. And I'd been doing it for several weeks. And she said, I went in one day and I prayed for her and I felt her grab my hand. And I thought, what's going on? And so I told him, he said, oh, it's just a reflex. And then she moved her leg. All of a sudden, it wasn't a reflex anymore. So they yelled for the doctors to come. The doctors came. And then they were outside. They were taking her off the vent. And he was talking to the lady from the church. And he says, you know, I, I wonder if she's going to be herself when they get everything unhooked. If she's going to know who she is, and, you know, or if she's going to be a vegetable. About then, from the back of the room, they heard her scream out, I'm trying to talk. If they let me, I know who I am. It was Granny that went to pray. Wasn't the pastor. They didn't even go to our church. We're missing so many opportunities for God to do miracles. We're missing so many opportunities. There, we've got an open door. You don't have to have much strength. You got a little bottle of oil? Can you just walk the halls of the hospital? I bet you walk the halls of ICU. They're not going to deny you to come pray. Let God wake somebody up on a vent in ICU. This city will be turned upside down. It's time for us to turn our cities upside down in Jesus' name. So we go in. She said, now wait, now wait a minute, Susie. God hadn't finished the miracle. I said, okay. I said, so what's going on? She said, well, her white blood cell count is real high and some other things were going on they were treating her for. And so we went in. I talked to her husband. And he said, I told him my story about the cancer. I gave him a lot more detail because he was a surgeon. And he said to me, he said, now, ma'am, when you pray, I said, do you mind if I pray? He goes, no, but when you pray, just pray that the Lord will not let those nerves hurt so that she can ride in her scooter and we can travel. I don't want to be uh, one who grabs to everything God has. And I'm thinking, no, I want the full enchilada. I don't want half a miracle. I don't want a half-baked miracle. I want the complete miracle. If I pray, I'm asking Jesus to do it all. I didn't tell him that, but I thought when I laid my hands on her head, all bets were off. And I prayed. Now, nothing happened that day. You see, sometimes it doesn't happen right then. So I leave, and I come back a few months later. And Ruthie gets me. She goes, you got to come with me. I'm going to buy you lunch again, Susie. we got to go see her. 
So that time we walked in the place, we went a different direction. I said, where are we going? Her, her room's over here. She goes, nah, they've moved her. We were walking down the hallway, and this woman comes walking towards me. It was her. She was getting ready to be discharged. Everything had been healed. Everything had been healed. You see, sometimes God doesn't want us to get the glory. He wants the glory. And we've got to understand, we've got to know how to give him glory when he does do the miracle and we're the one laying hands on people. It's time for us to walk through open doors even when we're tired. It's time for us to do what God wants us to do, how he wants us to do it in his order and in his way. I'm about to close. This morning as I sat there, God gave me this, and I'm getting ready to read it. It's going to ask you some questions. Open doors of miracles present daily to us. But like Sarah, when she heard God's promise of a child, she laughed. In her mind, it was absurd, a woman of 90 years old having a baby. You see, open doors of miracles present themselves to us daily. But like Moses looking at a burning bush, God speaking out of, he gave God the excuse of his stutter why this wouldn't work. Open doors of miracles present daily to us. But like Moses standing before the obstacle of the Red Sea, he didn't have any more excuses. He had trust in God's faithfulness. Open doors of miracles present daily to us. But like Mary and Martha, they, they didn't see the stone rolled away. They were wondering who would help them. Open doors of miracles present daily to us, but like Peter, they couldn't believe when angels led him out of prison. Used the excuse that he thought he was dreaming, and when he came to himself, he knew knocking on the door was what he was supposed to do, where they were praying for him. Open doors of miracles present daily to us, but like Ananias, when God told him to go to Saul, he reminded God who Saul was. Then he obeyed. He prayed for him and he called him Brother Saul and he became Paul. I wonder how many Sauls we brush up against every day that we won't pray for. Open doors of miracles present daily to us. But like Peter and Andrew fishing, one day Jesus called, follow me. No excuses. They gave Jesus immediate obedience. I wonder what would happen today if we would give Jesus immediate obedience. Open doors of miracles present daily to us. But like Ananias who ministered to Paul before he was Paul, we give excuses. Harvest fields are ripe, like Portugal, like Africa, like West Palm Beach. They're awaiting obedient saints to surrender all to Jesus. Open doors of miracles present daily to us. But we sing, I surrender all, surrendering only when it fits in our plans and dreams. It's time to do what we sing and say. It's time to man up. It's time to be what God has called us to be. Open doors of miracles present daily to us. Jesus understands we're tired. And he understands we only have a little strength. He meets us at our place of need with the open door to walk through with him. And I'm here to tell you, no matter how tired you are, and I've been tired, I get up and it's like I'm rejuvenated. 
Because you see, the anointing hits me because I'm obedient to my king. There's something in this obedience that we've missed. Because in America, we are a country founded on rebellion. And that rebellion has followed us into our churches. And it's time for the rebellion to go. In Jesus' name, I rebuke rebellion. Open doors of miracles present daily to us. Jesus calls and anoints us. But what will we do? Jesus meets us. But will we meet him? Open doors of miracles present daily to us. What will you write here? What will your story be? Will it be excuses of faith? Will it be excuses or faith in the promises of God? See, I'm writing a story of faith, Brother Kyle. Cancer could have took me out. When I say the pallbearers were picked out and the music was picked out for my funeral, I mean, we set my kids down and asked, them if they, if, asked my son at 14 if he'd like to be a pallbearer. Think about it. So now I'm writing a story of faith. I'm, right, I'm telling my kids about their God. They, they don't like me to talk about God, so when we get together over holidays, I pray over the food, and I preach a five-minute message in my prayer that they're not bowing their heads for. But it's not going to be because of mama that they don't know what they need to do to be saved. You see, by, by my actions, I'm preaching a message. And I'm here this morning to ask you, what message are you preaching? What message have you preached to your children? Have you preached one of rebellion? Have you preached one of going against leadership? If leadership's wrong, you should never discuss it in front of your children. You should discuss it on your knees to your God. And you should let your God handle it. Because he will handle it. I've seen him handle it time and time again. I know I need to finish up. Let's all stand. So now, what will your story be? My story is one of an international evangelist instead of an executive. My story is one of wherever home is, is where my suitcases are. That's where home is. If it's the floor of an airport, if it's a missionary's home. It doesn't matter if it's a hotel room. That's where home is. Because you see, we don't have enough people really sold out to God. Oh, we know how to sing it. But I'm here to say, don't sing it unless you're going to live it. Don't sing it unless you're going to teach it. And you teach it by how you live. You teach it by where you wake up. Do you say good morning to Jesus? As I close, I want to tell you what I do every morning, Brother Kyle. I sleep with my Bibles. I give them away when I finish them. This one's already dirty and it's not really that old yet. I give my Bibles away when I'm done with my notes because I should wear a Bible out every year. And I'm challenging every saint in this church to learn how to wear a Bible out. You have questions about something? I guarantee you there's an answer in this book for it. But we're too afraid to find the answers. Because if we find the answers, then we will have to get out of our comfort zones. And we'll have to do something for Jesus. Every morning before I eat. Now I will drink a Coke. Coke is my go-to. It's my coffee. But me and my Bible and Jesus. Before I touch anything else. And if I have a busy day teaching in a Bible school or something in a foreign country. I'll get up at 4 a.m. if I have to. I've rearranged my schedule 
so that I can hear from God every day. How long has it been since you heard the voice of God speak to you? How long has it been since the scripture was magnified to you? Like when I was reading that the other day about the, the stone, I went, my God, how have I missed that? How did I miss that they were discussing how the stone was going to be rolled away? And as they got to it, the stone was gone. And they were probably within feet of it when they were saying, who's going to roll it away for us? How are we going to do it? Just like when God healed me. When I went for my test, I always get afraid and my body starts acting like the cancer's there. And because I'm having reactions, I think the cancer's back, Sister Kyle. And so I'm sitting there and I'm going, God, is this really what you have for me? For me to die of this disease? And God's already rolled the stone away. He's already given me the miracle. I had, I've had doctors and nurses in the church look at my blood work. And they're astounded. They can't believe that my blood work is perfect. That's when God does a miracle. He does it the right way. What do you need from God today? Do you need a miracle of healing? I know a God who works miracles, signs, and wonders. I know a God who has a miracle for you today. And if you don't have the Holy Ghost, let me tell you how to be saved. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. When then Peter said unto them, repent. In other words, ask God to forgive you. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. You see, the Holy Ghost is peace, joy, and happiness. So if you're struggling and you're having panic attacks, I'm here to tell you the Holy Ghost is your solution. The Holy Ghost will heal you. It's time for us to be healed, for us to be whole from the tip of our heads to the soles of our toes, feet. It's time for God to make us completely whole. So what do you need tonight? The altar's open. If I needed something when I had cancer, I was the first one in the altar. Nobody had to drag me to an altar because I wanted a miracle. Even though God told me at the beginning that I was going to get really sick, but that I'd survive when I needed something from my king. You didn't have to ask me twice. I was in the altar. I was talking to him. I was saying, here I am, God. Heal me. Make me whole. I have a life to live, God. I'll give it to you. Let's pray. Lord's going to heal you if you're sick. If you've gotten a diagnosis, I, had, I know a God. I know a God. And He won't leave you hanging. Here I am. Here I stand. What a word. We want to take a moment. If you have a, you need a miracle, you need a miracle, physically, financially, let's take a moment. I know we're going to be doing our, our global missions giving in a second, but it's only 1.30. We have time. Let's take a moment and no one leave because, but we want we cannot let this pass. We can't just stay in our protocol and our little schedule and 
say this is what no we have people here today that need a miracle and you have heard faith I want my ministry to come brother Sapp if you'll join us we have oil up here and I want you to begin to anoint we're going to pray right now and there is healing that's going to come in into this building here today God is going to honor the word that has been ministered to us here today so let's let's take this moment let's take this time make your way down just come down and we're going to pray and then we're going to go back to our seats and do the our, our partners and missions but come on we're the apostolic church right we're the apostolic church we do it God's way we don't want to miss the Lord he's in this place right now what a word we heard from sister Smith this morning father we just come to you Lord I want you to lay hands on someone around you just you can see that they're praying you can see the ones that are needing that miracle ministry let's anoint with oil and let's lay our hands on our shoulders and you heard sister smith it doesn't it doesn't have to be a preacher it doesn't have to be pastor it doesn't have to be a minister of the gospel the holy ghost is in every one of us he's called each and every one of us to lay hands on the sick he's called each and every one of us to believe him for miracles he's called us all to go out and preach this gospel let's pray i'm telling you god's going to begin to move right now god's going to begin to move right now you're going to feel the unction of the holy ghost flow through you you're going to feel the healing power of god begin to flow through you as you lay hands that's god ministering to that person that's god healing right now that's god bringing the miracle to that precious sister that precious brother Father, we thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for the miracles that are in the house. We thank you for the miracles that are in the house, God. Thank you for the miracles. Thank you for your healing divine hand. Thank you for your provision. You're the miracle, God. You're the miracle 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 God. Come on, I feel it. I feel it. Pray for somebody. Pray for somebody. Let God use you. Let God use you. I give myself away. 